head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody to episode 217 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Davos Seawart of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. As we talk about a big week in the world of MMA, and in fact, uh, this podcast is a little bit different because we're kind of splitting it up into two halves. We're actually here recording before the UFC uh, Minneapolis card, so we're going to talk about uh, Cage Warriors and UFC 239 next week here at the start of the podcast, and at the end of the podcast then, we will talk about UFC... uh, uh, Minneapolis. So it shouldn't really be any different uh, for the people listening here, but uh, if you're just wondering why we're not starting off with the UFC like we usually do, that's the that's the reason. But how are you on here, Graham? Did you have a good week? Lovely and sunny out. Yeah, it's lovely uh, lovely and hot, but um, my old hay fever is acting up. I've been, my nose is in bits and getting a headache from, uh, pretty bad headache from sneezing and just being congested. But uh, yeah, that's the, you wait for the summer for, for so long and then you get hay fever, but what can you do? Yeah, I was having a, I was having a, um, I watched got a barbecue the other day for my niece's birthday and everyone they complain all year about the weather being shit and then it was like 25 26 degrees and they were all sitting inside in front of a fan it was like what the fuck like you've been waiting all year you've been out of the cold and then you it's one hot day and you stand inside looking for cold like oh irish people are fucking weirdos like they're 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 the weirdest people on there, but sure, look what can you do anyway at least we have a bit of an anyway. plan on going to the beach maybe next week as well so jesus well, we wouldn't know ourselves. We wouldn't fucking know ourselves. But anyway. Apparently, it's scorching over in London. It's like one of the, the highest June days on record, apparently. It's yeah. 30-something degrees. And it's, it's high as well during, um, during uh, or in, in Europe. So a friend of mine's gone to a wedding in France on Tuesday, I think. And it's supposed to be like in the 40s there. So he's just going to he's gonna die, he's telling me. So, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it that high now. But anywhere between like... 23 and 28 29 degrees that's just absolutely perfect for me you know you couldn't bear to go around yeah. in shorts and all that it's, that's what we want but anyway yeah, sometimes in vegas it's like 44 and it's so fuck dry that. it's terrible you just need to get into the air conditioning as soon as possible fuck that right let's get into this cage warriors card first i was going to talk about ufc 239 to start this off because obviously we'd have uh you know most people would be would be you know more concerned with that one of the biggest cards of the year and pay-per-view and all that we'll get to that in a second but this cage warriors card it's obviously just after happening here as we record this and it was maybe one of the maddest cards <laughs> ever when it comes to like uh you know blood and judging and insane points being taken away and mad fights and everything what what was the one thing that pro wrestling moves has been ripped out <laughs> exactly what was the what was the, for you what was the, the biggest thing that happened all night there were so many things to choose from well, I suppose the the main event with the I've never seen that before. I've yeah. watched a lot of a lot a lot of MMA fights that I've never seen it stop because there's so much blood that the ref said it's unsafe. Mm-hmm. The surface is is too slippy and it's unsafe for them to continue, especially in a in a title fight. I've never seen that, but uh, so that's probably the craziest thing that happened. Yeah. So if if people weren't uh, weren't watching or whatever, it was Ross Houston versus Nicholas Alby in the Cage Warriors main event. They were uh, Ross Houston was the Cage Warriors welterweight champion, Nicholas Alby the interim champion. And uh, Dalby opened up 
uh, a big cut in his head. Houston hit him with a big elbow in the first round. And in the second round, Dalby hit Houston right in the nose, broke his nose. And I don't think I've ever seen anyone's nose bleeding as much as Houston's were, was. And then it got into the, get, got into the third round. And yeah, was, I was thinking that uh, it must be some, some of the blood that looks like it's coming from Houston's nose. must be from the cut of Dalby originally. But then you got a clearer look at his nose and you realised it was pumping blood. Yeah. it It was just... It was just coming from everywhere, really. Like it was just pumping and pumping and pumping, and got worse and worse and worse all the time. And in uh, you know, in that third round, Mark Goddard had to stop it a couple of times because they were just slipping and falling around. Now, for me, Mark Goddard ended up stopping the fight in because there was just too much blood. And he got too. He basically, I think, said both lads have lost too much blood, and the surface is, is bad and everything. And he called the doctor in at one stage and kind of said to the doctor, which was the one maybe misstep from Goddard, which he probably shouldn't have done, was like, I'll leave it go to the end of the third. He was kind of explaining to the doctor and trying to get the doctor to say that it was unsafe to give him an out, kind of to stop it, which you shouldn't really be doing. And I think the doctor played it off very well. But that, that was a minor thing. I think after that... Goddard probably did what he should have done. It was it was unsafe to keep going. But for me, like, why after the second round did they not mop the fuck out of that place? You know, keep mopping it, clean the whole place out, and you get into well, it. Maybe okay, not mop, but towel it down so yeah. it's dry. I I was thinking before before Goddard even sort of mentioned about the the slippiness. I was like, oh, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to dry this mm-hmm. this canvas. Um, I I was expecting that to happen. Uh, but I suppose. Uh, that's what I thought was going to happen but it does make sense what, what Goddard did in stopping, stopping the fight uh, I think he was trying to get it to go three rounds just for the, the for so there could be a decision and I think Dobby probably would have won the decision but it, fighter safety is the, is the number one thing and uh, it probably is the I think they could have stopped it for a minute or two yeah. while they while they dried it but I think there was so much blood coming from both fighters and it was unlikely they were going to be able to stop it uh, between rounds they might stop it with like you know they put a load of Vaseline over Dalby's cut or whatever but I think it would have opened again it would have been would have went on forever for, not forever but it would have, they would have to stop it numerous times to dry it so maybe maybe it was the right call but uh, if you were Dalby you'd be a bit disappointed I'd be a bit disappointed if I was Dalby because I thought if it had went to the three rounds he would have won Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, Rosie Sexton is just on Twitter now, just tweeted me kind of the same thing as I, you know, I said, why? I agree, and I, I tweeted out as well, why didn't they just pause the fight for a few minutes? And until the whole thing was dry, okay, fair enough. If they, you know the same thing could have to happen again, like two minutes later, because there's so much blood flowing. But I think you do that rather than stopping the fight. Now, I think Mark Goddard kind of said, you could have got it to, probably got it to the three rounds. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Should you be doing that though? I don't know. Is that the right thing to actually do just to get it to a result? You know, if if you should stop the fight right now, you should stop the fight right now, and you shouldn't be looking for results or whatever. But you know, that's I suppose it's human nature as well. But you should keep the fight going as long as you can keep it going. Now. Goddard kind of half said, or the guy, the the MC said afterwards that it was stopped due to him losing too much blood, and that's the MC. He fucked up another score earlier tonight. He's an absolutely terrible MC. He's you can see Goddard's uh, face. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a. I I don't say this lightly now, but he's as bad as Michael C. Williams, and now that's pretty bad. Where's Andy Friedlander? Like he was good at this, but bring him back. But anyway, um, yeah, I, look, there probably was a bit of that in it too, and I'm I'm definitely not faulting Mark Goddard, but I feel like they could have between rounds, especially if not stopping it. He right, seemed like he was pissed off that all night. He was yeah. like, ah, this is this is unbelievable. Like you know, <laughs> during the main event and the the incidents earlier with with uh, Frederick as well. So 
I think he was kind of fed up. He was, he was having a bad day. I think uh, Goddard. Well, what do you think about that? Like, because we talked about Goddard and one of the Patreon. He's very involved in, in the fights that he was in, but it was pretty unique circumstance where one guy's pedigree and a guy and mm-hmm. Doom Paul driving a guy. And, and then this blood thing, it's pretty unusual set of circumstances in fairness to him. Yeah, and obviously the, the, the Tombstone kind of pedigree pile driver was in the James Webb fight, which we'll get to in a second. But on just on Mark Goddard, like for me, I think... At refereeing situations and making the right decisions at the right time, for me, Mark Otter is the best referee in the world. I think he's absolutely fantastic at doing the right thing at the right time in the exact right way. But I wish he just didn't talk as much or didn't give out as much or, you know, took his ego out of a little bit. And, you know, that that's just the person he is. I'm not faulting him or anything. I'm not, you know, but... When you're a referee, I think you badly need to take that ego out of it. And he obviously has a big ego. I, you know, I don't think he, I don't think he denied that himself, and I don't think anyone, you know, associated with him would deny it. But like, he makes himself look bad at times when he's actually really, really good, just because of the way he argues and roars and shouts. And I, like, I think the best referees, like Keith Peterson at the moment, I've, I've credited him an awful lot. He's very quiet. You hear almost nothing from him. Something needs to be said, he'll say it. He makes the right decisions, like Goddard as well. I don't think he's as good as Goddard at making those decisions, but he's a better ref, I think, because of all around he's better uh, at doing that. He stays quiet when he needs to stay quiet. Goddard is always on it, like, and that's... I don't. I just. I think yeah. it's too much. I really do. Well, like in fairness to him, he, he he refs a lot of fights, and I can't think of any fight where he like kind of like put a fighter in danger or like let a choke go too long or, or he let a, a ground and pound or strikes go like much too long. Obviously, it's going to be like it's it's all in split seconds. But I, you know, for the amount of fights he he he, he refs, he's he's a very very good one of the be- one of the best refs. But yeah. He's not perfect, definitely not. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree with that. I've, you know, I've said it for years. I think he's he's the best, but, you know, I, I think he'd be undoubtedly the best if he could just kind of clean up the ego a little bit and, and make that a little bit different. But, that you know, that, that main event was a very, very good fight anyway at Albi and, uh, and Ross Houston. Obviously, they'll, they'll probably run that back again. So let's talk about James Webb uh, versus Natalia Frederick. How did you score the fight, first of all, before we get to anything else? I wasn't really scoring it live, but I, I think it was... I, I thought going into the, the last that it was either 3-1 Webb or 2-2 and then obviously the the third was um, the, uh, Frederick probably edged it but the point taken away made it 9-9 so I could see the draw or Webb but like even if he did score for Frederick, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be thinking, oh, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. And I think because they're like you know when you're on top yeah. and kind of dominating grappling, but not really landing strikes, or if you are landing strikes, there's not really much behind them, and the other guys landing better like elbows from from his back or on takedown attempts and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a real it's a real close. It's a real tough one. You can kind of argue both ways. Yeah, I think it's a tough that, one to judge. I think yeah, I think it was either Web uh, three two or a draw. I I think it was that like you know. It, one of the judges had it for Webb, uh, four rounds to one, I think it was. Um, it, it's up in MMA decisions anyway. And the other two had three rounds to two for Frederick, and then obviously the point off uh, for the for the illegal uh, spike. So the, for me, the first round went to Webb with, with his takedowns. The second round, he takedowns again, but that high knee late from Frederick, I thought that won him the round. You know, it was one of those rounds where there was a lot of takedowns, but there wasn't much moving forward, and there was a lot of back and forth. It was Frederick had a couple of takedowns as well, and in that big knee, I think that was the biggest shot of the fight uh, of the of the round, and it was you know it, it was the, the biggest thing that happened in that round, r- bigger than any of the takedowns, bigger than any shots landed on the ground. So I thought Frederick won that. In the third inning, it was almost a KO from Frederick. 
He landed a big left hook. Webb did very, very well to survive. Got into a clinch. Got to, almost got a rear naked choke. That was around where I thought both guys were finished at one point of it. But Frederick landed on top and got the ground and pound the win. Again, I thought Frederick won that. In the fourth, yeah, it was... He, got, he, he yeah. was very powerful in reversing situations. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, brilliant. Just unbelievably powerful. at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just power, though. It's, the, the timing was very good as well. Um he, he's 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 a tough man to keep down. Like uh, Webb seemed to be able to take him down pretty easily, but hold not pretty easily, but with good success. But keeping him down, not getting reversed, was, was a big problem, uh, and would be probably an, uh, an area that he definitely have to lock down if they were. If they're gonna have a rematch, yeah, the fourth, the fourth was exactly that. I think he kept taking him down. He kind of kept moving out. It was he had a bit more success in that because I think he stayed in half guard a little bit more. It, like it reminded me a little bit of Habib when Habib gets into side control and obviously mount. Okay, he's very very good mount, but in side control, I think it's easier to get out from him. Uh, and lots of guys they like to move into side control because they can control the kind of head and arm better. But for Webb, I think when he was in half guard, he was doing a lot better because uh, Fredericks wasn't able to get up. He was kind of stuck there. But when he was in mount or when he was in half guard, as you say. He did a great job of, job of kind of posting up in that elbow or getting to the hip and getting back up. Just so powerful and well-timed and bursting out of it. So I think that was the one mistake. But I think he definitely won the, the fourth web. And in the fifth was that, that close one. I just gave it to Webb. But, uh, you know, I can 100% see how, how someone would, would give it to Fredericks. Um, he landed that that big hammer. Well, that was a big hammer fist. It was a hammer fist with maybe 10, 15 seconds to go. And he landed one or two after it. Webb was landing a few shots on the ground. He had top time for a lot of that round. Um, and, okay, you don't score from top from just, you know, having top time. But, you know, he ha- did have some effective grappling in yeah, that round. Passing guard. And, and, and like, I've, I, hate, I, I hate to give a guy a round because of one good shot and in a couple kind of half-landed shots after now I must go back and watch it I've only watched it once that was my, my watching live I might go back and watch it again and there might have been five or six shots you know uh, that way I, I, I could come back on next week and say I was wrong but for me watching it live and that's the way you know people score it I just I thought he did enough with that top control and with the few shots he landed there to be more than just one single you know, you know if it was that big knee that was landed in what was it the was it the second or third round let me just look at my notes here it was the um, the second round if it was that knee had landed at, at the end of the fifth round I would have said 100% Frederick round but to me I don't I don't think that those couple of shots were, were big enough but I wouldn't you know if a judge scored it that way I wouldn't take it away from it all so it's, uh, to me it was either a draw or web winning <laughs> Do you, do you think Frederick kind of his head kind of got out of the game when he started yeah. arguing with Goddard and he was like give, like shouting when Chris I think Chris Fields or somebody in 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 Webb's corner was was complaining about the elbows or asking Goddard about the elbows and he and kind of, instead of kind of keep throwing them he kind of turns to the ref and he's like these are gra- these are fine these elbows and Goddard's like I didn't say a word like <laughs> keep fighting yeah he was... just he just kind of had his his head after the the the, the point was taken for the the spike. He he would seem very pissed off. I don't know why. Like he dropped him on his head. Like you're not allowed to do that. Uh, he, 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 okay, maybe he's thinking I've, I've done a similar thing earlier with the pedigree type thing that he mm-hmm. did. Uh, so maybe he's thinking, oh, this is grand, but uh, that's not allowed. So that was a good decision by Goddard to take the point. And but I think Goddard was a bit over the top. In fairness to Frederick, he was like, are you trying to get yourself disqualified and things, something along those lines and that kind of thing uh, but Frederick kind of lost ahead a bit as well I think so uh, maybe he could work on that like not getting not getting distracted but uh, yeah I think a, a rematch is uh, is probably what will happen and will be very interesting yeah, d- yeah definitely just on the Goddard thing I think both of them kind of lost it too much in that in that situation 
what big john mccarthy would have done there was kind of held him up against the fence put his two hands on his shoulders and said look calm down this is what happened this is the rule you uh you know you made this foul it was a serious foul you land him in his neck land on him on his neck there was obvious damage there i have to take a point it's very dangerous like uh yeah. you're not allowed to do it well, Goddard, to, take a point. to me no, Goddard, you're trying to get yourself disqualified like <laughs> yeah. what's going on this like, is know? the exact thing i'm talking about he got the exact right decision he did the exact right thing in the right time but it was his words and his arguing that made him look bad you know, this is a, a, it's a little bit aggressive sometimes yeah, towards the fighters. Just way, way too aggressive to me. Way, way too aggressive. He just, he kind of lost the head as well. And, uh, you know, he got it back quick enough. But Frederick didn't. He just, uh, as you said, he he completely lost it. There was a few elbows which Goddard rightly warned him for again. You know, another good I job. I don't even know if Goddard did warn him. I think it was it was somebody complaining in, in Webb's corner. And Goddard didn't even... I don't think Goddard even said to Frederick to watch the elbows. I think. Oh, was that it? I think, yeah, because I was wondering. I think, I think was... Frederick was like, "These elbows are, are," said to Goddard, "Like these elbows are fine, or these are legal, or something." And Goddard's like, oh, "Keep fighting, like yeah. don't worry about their his corner or whatever." Like, you might be right. Actually, I, 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 yeah. I think it wasn't Goddard who actually said. I think I think it came from the corner. Yeah, because he said something like, "Oh, I saw the elbows. I saw the elbows, or something like that." And I thought it was weird the way he said it. So yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, it does sound right in fairness, but. It was just such. It was such a weird fight. Two very very weird fights. Like it was. It was just yeah. so odd. Well, like, well, fair play to the corner as well, because, like, you know, if he is distracted and you can make see that, works. then... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. make it worse, rile him up. Like, uh, everything he does, be complaining. And <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if if the guy's losing the head, like, just poke at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, let's talk about a cu- couple of the other fights. Joy Herbert and Jack Grant. Joy, this Joy Herbert yeah, and the, that... the speed on the speed oh. on his snap on his punches was, was really good. It looked, he looked the best he's ever looked... Uh, on the feet especially because Jack Grant is is very good on the feet as well like he's better than most of the guys nearly all the guys on the regional scene and UK and Ireland so do like doing look, looking that good against a nobody is, is like on the feet is great and everything but doing that against Jack Grant on the feet and just breaking him down and just just wearing him out basically just relentless uh, defending the the grappling situations more relaxed probably than we've seen him in the past and looks to be just developing into like a really really good fighter and the only loss on his record is is you know against a really really good guy who's probably you know at the time when they fought it probably fought better competition and was kind of at a at a, like a, a more advanced stage in his career Reese McKee obviously yeah yeah, sorry, Reese McKee. Since then, like he's beaten Jack Grant and Joe McCoggan. So you know, how about, how about that rematch, Reese McKee against uh, Joy Herbert again? Yeah, well, when Reese is coming back from an injury, I don't know when he's back. Um, but it makes sense. Yeah, I think. Well, uh, for Reese McKee, it doesn't make sense. Maybe not, but for Joy Herbert, it definitely makes sense. Yeah, and probably one he wants back. Yeah, well, for I'm sure Reese McKee would like to get a hold of that cage warrior title. Do you not think? Yeah, I, th- I think he would, but I, I, I don't think he'd be rushing back from injury to, to, to take well, the fight, suppose, you know, because yeah, he's already beaten the guy and he's going to, you know, he's probably going to get, he's a, he's a kind of well-known fighter for, for, for them, he can probably, mm-hmm. they don't have to rush him back, basically. Yeah, but Jai Herbert, he just looks so good, and, you know, he's training with your boy Fabian Edwards and Tom Breeze and all them boys, that gym in Birmingham, Team Renegade, I think it's called, they, them boys are I think that's the best gym in the UK and Ireland. They are unbelievable. All those guys coming through are all really, really good. And Jai Herbert is the—he is the next guy coming through there. He's calling for a UFC shot. I could see him in the UFC tomorrow. Honestly, I think he's that good. I think he's—he's he's really, really good. So I'm really impressed with him. Uh, Mads Burnell. Just before we go on, I—I I forgot to mention during the main at the main event, uh, fair play to Brad Wharton, the commentator for whipping out the 
Sometimes these things or these things happen sometimes in MMA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, that was Brilliant. Good. It's weird that all I could think of was us when he said that and not not fucking what was it, strike for us back in the day. That was, yeah, good was like, oh, he said our saying. It's like the, wait, no, hold the on. Nick Diaz or the, the, the Nick Diaz and Mayhem Miller brawl in the cage in yeah, Nashville. Yeah, excellent, yeah. Really, really good. And I gotta go to great one as well earlier in the night when um Hamlet. Oh no, what was his name? Um, a oh, fucking. Oh. I think it was Hamlet. Yeah. Hamlet. Yeah, yeah. He, he got smoked <laughs> like the cigar. <laughs> that, that was fun. But that would fight, yeah, as well for the the light heavyweight title. Go- yeah, I thought it was a, a good um, a good technical fight until the end. TKO. Nice shots. Modestus uh, Bukowskis there in in that one. Down that was on the prelims. Like so, this card was just was madness stacked. altogether. Absolutely. Yeah, and Sam Creasley as well. Like he, mm. he was, he was doing so well, and it was just I was poor. You know, he, poor. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a bad mistake and uh, something that you have to to learn. But sometimes in MMA, it's a, it's a harsh game, and you got to learn. You got to learn the hard way, unfortunately. Yeah, kind of. He did something similar in his first title fight. He kind of, you know, he he did well in that fight, and he kind of threw it away as well. Uh, Hands down. This one, oh, just this one was just so bad. Just like really really not on this level at all you know when you're fighting and he was a big big uh what's the opposite of underdog favorite uh, going into this fight and he just throws this one too stands there with his hands down and gets caught awful really really bad and you know fair play to samir fadeen he was, was there and he took that opportunity and he landed that big right hand so fair play to him but uh mads burnell as well you know dean truman was kind of touching him up at the you know the, the first round of that fight and i thought he was you know, he was going to win this fight pretty easily. You know, Brunel took, took him down and he, he did well on top. But Truman definitely won the first round. And in the second round, you know, Brunel, when he gets the fight to the ground, he just looks so good. I think right back, a hitman tweeted out. That was his fifth Japanese necktie win in his career. And, that you know, that's obviously a move of his. I, I love a Japanese necktie. It's my favorite submission. I've always, uh, I've always loved it. Catching up that leg and, you know, pulling him in. And it's, it's like you're just kind of tearing him apart as you choke him. I absolutely love that. But... Really, really good, um, good finish by him as well, and you know Dean Truman, he's a good fighter as well, so that's that's a very, very good win for him. Um, on the undercard, in Alex Lahore got back to winning ways with a darts choke. That was a fun fight as well. It was kind of yeah. an exchange of attempted dark chokes, darts chokes, and modified guillotines and guillotines, and uh, Alex Lahore ended up ended up catching a, some kind of. Some kind of modified guillotine, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, yeah, it was an exciting one. Yeah, and what did you think of the the Darno Garman Adam Avicenna fight? That was a very very yeah, good fight, close. close as well. It was it? good close fight, but I, I do think they got the right decision. Um, just about uh, Avicenna did did enough, but uh, Darno Garman's always in always in uh, exciting fights, and this was another one. And the whole card pretty much was, was exciting fights. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, really really good card. Tim, coming into it, uh, do you know what I thought was it was missing a little bit? It was missing Aaron Chalmers. Do you know that's what it was missing? It was missing someone who people knew to get them in to watch the card. Because imagine if there was someone like that in the middle of the card and then they'd seen the other six or seven title fights in the middle of it. Like everyone watching was an MMA fan watching that. It was that kind of, not just the hardcores, but you know, it kind of was. You know, who's watching Fight Pass? It's the hardcores. I reckon if you you know if you just had someone that people knew a bit more a star even you know even a Paddy Pimble or someone like that in the middle of that card it would have made it even better but that's you know t- that's outside of the sporting side of it from the sporting side of it alone it was absolutely phenomenal you can't get a little bit better but I think when people kind of criticize that sort of thing or having a draw or having a you know celebrity or whatever in it 
I think it can work. It could have worked tonight, like in the middle of all of that, or just before to draw people in, to to have those eyes on it, to see. Like, imagine if if people, and more people had seen Joy Herbert tonight, or more people had seen that mad, insane main event, or you know, the the whole of the card. It would have been, it would have been absolutely mad. But I digress. Anyway, it was a, it was a pretty pretty good card. Um, before we move on to to the UFC. What you think of this kind of row that went down, and I, we've talked about it loads of times, so we, we'll only, we won't touch on it much, but Chris Fields, John Kavanagh, Graham Boylan had a bit of a back and forth, you know, did the Irish MMA situation brought up again. Um, Chris Fields and Tom King were basically saying that John Kavanagh, as the president of the IWMWA, needs to do more to kind of get shows going. We don't have shows, and it kind of all came from Paul Hughes not being able to get fights and no fights in Ireland. I know we've talked about it loads of times and nothing really much has changed, but what do you think when you when you saw that uh, that kind of exchange? Well, uh, when I went back, I think some of the tweets had been deleted. Yeah, Graham Boylan deleted his tweets because he'd said something about, I, I don't know, he said something about John Cavan anyway and d- different things, but yeah, he, he deleted some of his tweets. So I was reading it kind of disjointed a bit, but yeah, it's, it's probably good that that people speak out about it. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we do need shows in Ireland I know it's expensive but for the scene for these guys like Paul Hughes like 1-0 or 2-0 now is it 2-0 I think yeah 2-0 now like back back years ago when it was blossoming the scene he, he probably would have 8, 9, 10 fights by now mm-hmm. even with his injuries all the injuries he's had but just can't get fights even these exciting guys that people want to watch can't get fights here and it's a shame like but it's just it's just the way it is like promoters are not trying to lose money and if it's if it makes financial sense to not put it on here that's what they're going to do and yeah. you can't really blame them either but it's kind of up to it's up to guys like Kavanaugh and Fields as opposed to everybody involved in Irish MMA to to make something happen but it's probably going to have to be like if you're even a KSW like the, the hassle that goes on with all the with all the medicals and stuff and people getting pulled from Foy's late and all these extra tests and stuff, they, they just don't need the hassle. Mm-hmm. I think the problem here is the good has kind of come with the bad and the necessary has come with maybe maybe the unnecessary as well because we, okay, I think everyone would agree this sport needs to get under Sport Ireland after what happened with Joe Carvalho, you know, we talked about it a hundred times before <clears throat> and what happened immediately after that with the new rules and everything like that, we're kind of stuck with them now. And we have to get to a position where it's under Sport Ireland and where this is, uh, uh, you know, where it's an official sport. And we can talk about the rules. We can talk about getting money to for medicals and different sort of things. But getting to that position is, and I think this was kind of what Chris Friels and, and the lads are talking about as well, is the IWMAA's thing. They need to be doing that. You know, we've kind of criticized them before for not telling us what they're doing, not telling us where they are in this, uh, in this uh, you know, trial to get uh, MMA as a process as a sport and uh, that's a definite thing but also have got us to this situation whether you know whether you agree it's a good thing or a bad thing or whether you think they've done it right or wrong we're in a situation now where the uh, MMA scene in Ireland is basically dead apart from Cage Warriors or uh, sorry Cage Legacy and Bellator there's there's basically no MMA in Ireland so you know, you can get the few lads on, on the Cage Legacy cards, you can get the SPG lads and a few of the other lads on the Bellator cards. Well, what about the guys, you know, the one and O SPG guys, or the you know, the one and O Team Rhino guys, or the guys down in Cork and stuff like that? And the guys, you know, in there's some guys that say in Limerick or in uh, you know, Galway or in, up, up the north, even coming down fighting here, like Paul Hughes. Where are the shows for them? 
they have disappeared. And I think, you know, Chris Fields was kind of saying that John Kavanaugh needs to do something about that and he needs to move on this process quicker so we can get that scene back. Because at the moment, that scene is dead. And it's dead because of this. You know, and this being a good thing in maybe two years' time uh, makes it a really shitty thing for the next two years because fighters now can't get fights. So we're left in this kind of catch-22 situation here and there's definitely, you know, there's definitely arguments on both sides. But what can you do? I'm not sure of the solution. I think the solution is the IWMWA need to do this quicker. They need to keep on to Sport Ireland. They need to get this over the line as quick as possible so we can move forward. So all these people can get into a room and talk about the rules and talk about the costs and talk about grants and different things like that where we can get money in to get more fights, to get more fight cards in Ireland. And to me, that responsibility falls to John Kavanagh and the IWMWA to get that done quicker. You know, they've talked about it enough when they've needed to talk about it and they haven't talked about it most of the time but they need to talk about it more and they need don't need to just talk to us about it or talk on twitter about it they need to go to sport Ireland and they need to get it done and i think that's the that's the big thing here and if they did that a lot of these i think a lot of these complaints would go away and you know justified complaints i think and a lot of the problems will be solved so it'd be but even when the process is over the it's still going to be more expensive to put on the show here than it is yeah but hopefully there, sort of there could be grants there there could be maybe a rollback of the rules a little bit like there's not going to be a rollback of the rules right now nobody's going to be investing right now because they're afraid that the show won't go on or it's going to cost too much or whatever at least we got to that position and they got us to that position as quick as we could at least there could be different chats then because at least when it is a sport they're not going to take away it being a sport then do you know what i mean like yeah you have more of a kind of firm footing or, yeah, or, yeah. So, but i don't think once it once it's accepted it's just going to be like a click of the fingers no but i think i think you can have better chats about it then like I, I think you can you can you have a better footing to change things or to, to you know then now what's going to happen like all the lads on one side get into a room and all the lads on the other side and have a chat about it. like what's what are they going to do john cavan is not going to say look okay put on this show we're not going to have the the same rules we're not going to have you know the additional cost or whatever um and you know he's not going to say that he's not going to do that and the other lads don't you know can't either either can't afford this additional cost or don't want to pay it or or whatever the situation is so we're caught we're just caught in the middle of what is the solution maybe there's a different solution that i don't know and someone someone can tell me but to me the solution is to get this done quicker and then you know sit down and look for the solutions when you have the footing of mma being a sport to look for solutions from you know so look we've talked about it so many times before and i think that's that's a major issue and i think you know something needs to be done about getting this sport legalized quicker and uh, and then we can go from there as well but anyway right let's get into ufc 239 before we i suppose talk about the card and whatnot um it's going to be on pay-per-view on BT, and we've talked about it before, and I, I believe I'll be getting Philip O'Connor on during the week. I talked to him a couple of weeks about it, and hopefully I'll do it, so we'll have a, a full chat about that. But right about now, Graham, what do you think will happen in terms of pay-per-view? Do you think many people will buy it? Do you think it'll be a complete flop, or what do you think will happen? Arr, uh, <laughs> I, think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people will just stream it if if they want to watch it, if they know what they're doing, which which I think a lot of MMA fans do know what they're doing stream-wise. It's very, um, probably compared to most sports, it, it's the people are kind of well-educated on how to find streams to watch MMA because they've kind of been forced to uh, over the years. So I think 
it's not going to do very well on pay-per-view. I can't see it doing very well on pay-per-view at that time of night without a Conor McGregor or something on, on the top of the card. Mm-hmm. I just can't see it doing well. Yeah, me neither. I, like, I'd be surprised if it got... If it got a thousand buys, if that if it got that, I think it'd be an awful lot. I just think don't think anyone's gonna buy it. I think it. I'd like to see those numbers though that the, yeah. that's doing even not on free TV but on subscription on BT when it's, it's twenty euro a month or whatever it is. I remember one of the numbers came out and years ago. Yeah. Though, I haven't seen numbers in years. What was that? That was like sixty thousand or something. Was it something like that? Or was it? A little, mm. I'm not sure, but it wasn't that many anyway. It was I don't think it was a hundred thousand. So if there's only that many people watching, and I think it's way way less than that normally. I think that was one of the big McGregor cards or something like that. So how many people are watching those pay per views live? Like, is this you know? Okay, I think fifty thousand would be a huge estimate. Like, there's no way that ten percent of that are going to buy the card. Like, not a whole. Is there two percent of that going? I don't think so. Like, I really don't. People know where to get it the next morning. They know where to stream and if they want to stream and they know that they can go back and listen to this podcast the next day and we'll be talking about it. Or they know that uh, you know that the card next week will be live. Will be live and and well free on BT Sports as well. So yeah, I just can't see people buying it. I really, really can't. But there's. And I'll talk about that more with Philip during the week. But there's another issue as well that Air Sports, where Irish people get BT Sports, is gone come the 1st of August. So you, if you've paid for Air Sports now, you're going to have no BT Sports from the 1st of August on. So if you're stuck in a year subscription, which I am, I think I'm only up until October or something, so I'm not too bad. But you'll have had to find another way of getting BT Sports. Now, I believe it's going on Sky Sports, but I don't think that's official yet. I think yeah, Joe.ie reported that a few months ago. So if you have Sky Sports, you'll be able to get BT Sports. I don't know if you'll have to pay extra. I don't know if it'll be part of the sports package or what. So there's going to be another change there come the 1st of August for Irish people getting the UFC. So we'll, you know, we obviously we'll continue to bring you updates and that uh, as they happen, and as we know them and as they're official. But it's all changing in, you know, with, with the UFC now and... Maybe that'll bring more pay-per-view. Maybe it'll take away pay-per-view. I'm not sure. Things uh, don't change. Yeah, uh, things don't change. But anyway, let's get into the, this card. Uh, John Jones versus Thiago Santos in the main event. Watching a bit of Thiago Santos earlier on. He's definitely a danger. Like, There's no doubt about him being a danger. But to me, for him to win, he'll need to let his hands go quick and early. And let, let it all go. Just go for it. Because you're not going to beat John Jones over five rounds. You know, I think picking your shots... You could land a big shot and beat John Jones that way. But I don't think that gives you the best opportunity. I think the best opportunity is to go out, throw hands, and try to knock John Jones out as quickly as possible. What do you think? Well, it's really difficult to, to beat John Jones in the game plan to beat him. But when, when you do have the most pop in your punches, and these are big guys, like, you know, it isn't like a flyweight where you, you can kind of take a few shots a lot of the time and not get knocked out. But uh, he definitely has the power to, to knock anybody out. But I think Jones will just use, will just be too smart and uses length uh, very well. And if he needs to use takedown, he just has so many options, of uh, so many methods to, to win, I think, here, Jones. But it's MMA, anything can happen, like, you know, a big shot can land, but uh, uh, it could be madness to pick against John Jones here, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely picking John Jones, but, uh, I, like, to me, I've always said, I think the person who will beat John Jones will be a big hitter who can land that big shot. I don't think someone's outpointing John Jones. I don't think someone's taking John Jones down and riding out on top and submitting him. I don't think someone, you know, is... 
out game planning John Jones or out striking him for five rounds or whatever you want to, to say about it. I think someone, okay, maybe it could be a big submission out and over a flying armbar or something like that. Or I think I think it'll be a big shot. I think it'll be a big shot that knocks John Jones out. Thiago Santos can do that, 100%. I'd give him more of a chance than I'd give more people. Uh, most people that fight John Jones or most of the guys coming up or most of the guys fought over the last five years. But still a very, very small chance. You know, a very, very little chance. But if he comes out and throws hands in the first minute, I, th- I, th- I think he has a chance. But if he doesn't, if he comes out and tries to pick his shots... I, I, I don't think it'll work. I think John Jones will pick him apart pretty easily. He'll see everything coming, and uh, it'll be an easy night for John Jones. And to be honest, I think that's what will happen. Um, and you know, the, these things happen in MMA, as I say. But anyway, um, <laughs> Amanda Nunes versus Holly Holm. Uh, obviously, Amanda Nunes, the the two way champion. Now this is going to be at uh one thirty five pounds. She comes down from fighting Cyborg uh, at one forty five pounds. Holly Holm getting uh, getting a title shot, having only won I think two fights and lost three since uh, she uh, she lost her title a while back. Uh, how do you see this one going? Amanda Nunes has kind of been drawn into to five round fights or long fights in the the recent history. She's obviously moved on and she's gotten way, way better winning her last, you know, winning her last two fights by, by KO. Obviously, the, the, in the fifth round against uh, Raquel Pennington, but she went to a split decision with, with Valentina Shevchenko uh, in the fight before that. So she can go five rounds as well. I have a feeling it will be one of those long drawn out fights against Holly Holm. What do you think? Like it could be, it could be one of those Holly Holm fights where it's basically like a sparring match. Um, but. Uh, I think I think she she's got to watch out early. Like her, her takedown defense isn't isn't very her wrestling in general. Holly Holmes wrestling in general is, isn't very good at all. So I think if if Nunes can get her down and while she's fresh and do some work there, get some ground up and going, I think she could probably get a TKO in, in one of the first couple of rounds. But if it does get drawn into a kind of if Holly Holmes gets her way and kind of makes it a distance kind of sparring match, then it could be a close decision either way. And Holly Holmes has a, a kind of a skill set that she she's got to kind of nick in rounds where maybe nothing really happens. So that could happen. But I I, I think Amanda Nunes is a much much more well rounded fighter and an all round better fighter. So I, I think she'll get the job done here. But Holly Holmes is a, a big girl as well. Um, so it could go either way. It could go either way on the on the feet. Like I think Holly Holmes definitely dangerous there. But if it does hit the ground, I think Nunes has a big advantage. Yeah. Holly Holm, if you look at her her losses as well in MMA, it's one by submission, three by decision, never never been knocked out. So, you know, Amanda Nunes, looking at her, okay, I, I agree with you, if she can get a takedown and get her on the ground, that's probably her best way of finishing her. But Holly Holm, defensively, because she keeps that long distance so well, she's hard to hit. And what Amanda Nunes is really good at is kind of closing that distance and hitting really hard. So they're kind of a match made in hell, I suppose, for each other. So maybe doesn't have the recipe for the best fight in the world, but is this the same Holly Holm as it was before? And is this a better Amanda Nunes than it ever was before? I think both of those things could be true. So that could lead to being a devastating knockout for Amanda Nunes. You know, I think we, we looked at uh, we looked at Shevchenko before and she'd never won by knockout in the UFC. And she's fighting Jessica. So that's a perfect recipe for the UFC. Or for the knockout, sorry. So, that you know, that's when it's going to come. Now, I'm not equating Holly Holm to Jessica. Aye, but you know what I mean? You know, if Amanda Nunes can get to Holly Holm and land those big shots, she will knock her out because she's just that good and so superior in terms of power than anyone in that division that it will happen. But... <clears throat> 
I think Holly Holm has a lot left in the tank. I think she will be de- very defensive. She'll keep that range. She will be slipping and sliding out of the way of shots. And I think it'll go three, four, five rounds. But I think in the end, Nunes will land enough big shots to either win a decision or get a, get the fight finished late. I have a feeling, again, it could be a fourth, fifth round win. Uh, like I did for Shevchenko. Obviously, she won a little bit earlier. But I, I feel it could be one of those ones where she just lands the shots, uh, wins the first couple of rounds, and Holly Holm is, is forced to, to kind of open up a little another bit, and, and she eats uh, more of the shots. But, yeah, I don't I don't think this will be a classic, to be honest. But I think we, we could have a classic ending, maybe. Yeah, I think... I think uh, if it's going to have a, a, re, a classic ending... It's probably going to be not a classic ending, but like an exciting finish. It's mm-hmm. probably going to be Amanda Nunes more yeah. likely to finish. But Holly Holm definitely has it. Like you know, if if you get drawn to a game, she kind of lulls you to sleep, and then she has that left head kick that she's always trying to land. So that's always there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amanda Nunes hasn't happened in in a few fights now or in a couple of years, but she has gotten tired in the past. And Holly Holm is well used to to go and go in the distance that, in, yeah. in boxing and and in MMA. So, but I think. Um, Holly Holmes has been on a bit of a slide recently. I think Manny Nunes probably at the peak of her powers now. She kind of rounded out that getting tired uh, problem a, a good bit and she's kind of more composed than she ever was before, less kind of reckless, yeah. but still still has that violence to her. So I think she, she's the best she's ever been. I, I, think she, I think she'll win here. Yeah, and Holly Holmes obviously has been knocked out in boxing as well before, so I must mention that. And Amanda Nunes will coming down from 145 pounds. Could the weight be a bit of a trouble? Hopefully not, but hopefully she'll be okay. So, yeah, I'm you know looking forward to that uh, relatively. Uh, George Masvidal versus Ben Askren. What what do you think? What do you Your boy, Ben Askren. <laughs> My boy, Ben Askren. I always seem to think Ben Askren will lose, but... I think he'll win, but I have... <laughs> Like it's it's like Masvidal at, at three point zero like on the betting odds I think is is What's decent that? bet as well like three to one to win is it? Uh, two to one. Two to one. All right. We'd have to do a betting show before this card actually. Because yeah, I think like Askren definitely is as a wrestling advantage against nearly everybody and mm-hmm. against Masvidal, but the striking we've seen from him in the past we haven't really seen much of uh, recently, but it has been terrible. Um. Like not even like not as good as Masvidal, but like way way below Masvidal's level. Who Masvidal is is a very good striker, but he's not even an elite striker either. But he'll definitely have a huge advantage here on the feet. But Askren doesn't mess around on the feet, so he he's always going for the takedowns. He's he's in desperation mode to get a takedown until he gets one, and then he can relax and do his thing, and you know uh, ride it on top or go for submissions or whatever. Uh, but I think. I think he'll probably he'll probably win here, Ben Askren, buddy. I think very, he needs to get very early takedowns in each round because if he if he plays around the field, he's probably going to get knocked out. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of looking at George Masvidal's record here, and his losses are his his fights against kind of grapplers or, or wrestlers. What you perceive as Damian Moy, obviously a very good grappler, split decision last. Jake Ellenberger, he knocked him out, but maybe past his prime a little bit. Uh, Lorenz Larkin, split decision last. Vincent Henderson, split decision last. Uh, Ally Quinta, which is, you know, comes he comes out, split decision last as well. Pat Healy, unanimous decision win. Rusem Kavalov, unanimous decision last. Michael Chiesa, he, he submitted him with a dart choke. Um, and then you can go on and on after that. So, not the best results against guys who maybe are heavy grapplers, but no, like... This destructions there. Yeah, he's not getting blown out of the stuff. water uh, against these guys, and yeah. uh, but, but if you can say that against Askren, ben Askren, like, like Ben Askren has like in the past a lot like just 
wrote kind of before he had much of his submission games kind of rode out on top and he's he's happy to do that and he's happy to he's happy to just get the takedown and and keep it if he has to so it, it could just turn into that where he uh, well just gets blanketed for for all three rounds but if he can start stuffing them takedowns and and Ashton gets tired then he he, he Ashton could get knocked out badly here yeah it's it's thing i and i say all of those results because I agree with you, like, Askren could blanket him for two rounds and then he could stop one takedown and you'd favour Masvidal to win the fight still, like, you know, that's our thing. And Masvidal's not the hardest hitter in the world, and I know he, he hit uh, Darren Till pretty hard <laughs> pretty recently, but I think against uh, Ben Askren, he'd have an absolutely huge advantage. They, they both, have, I think, have as big an advantage as the other in striking and our wrestling, you know, you know what I mean? So if, if Masvidal can get that fight standing, he'll win. And if Askren can get it to the ground, he needs to get it to the ground for 15 minutes non-stop, basically. You know, probably, you know, 14 minutes and 40 seconds, or well, maybe a little bit less than that, to, to win that fight. But if Masvidal can get a minute on the feet, I think he'll end up winning that fight, and he'll end up knocking out Ben Askren and, and hurting him pretty badly. And I have a feeling he will, like, I, I don't know, I, I just... I just think he will get that one opportunity to beat him, and he will beat him with that opportunity. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that fight. Uh, if Ben Askren can win it, he'll probably be getting the title shot because Colby Covington is fighting Robbie Lawler coming up here, so that leaves Usman open to a title shot. Um, so you know that fight is it probably won't be a classic fight, but uh, you know it'll it'll be happening anyway. Uh, we'll run through another couple of these quick uh, before we take our break to to review the the UFC that's happening at the moment. Uh, Jan Blakovich, Luke Rockhold, Diego Sanchez, Michael Chiesa. Um, who do you fancy in those? Obviously, you'd probably fancy Chiesa to beat Diego Sanchez at this stage of his career. But Luke Rockhold versus yeah. Blakovich, how do you think? Yeah, I expect I expect Luke Rockhold to win this one, but Black Blakovich has been very impressive recently and has kind of shown himself to be maybe better than a lot of people. A lot of people gave him credit for. Um, you, you can only really beat what's in front of you. Uh, but he went on a good streak there. Obviously, his last fight he got knocked out against Diego Santos, but. Tiger Santos is, is obviously a very good guy, and uh, Luke Rockhold is is you know he's been at one eighty five his whole career, and he's been an upper echelon guy there, and he's held a belt in in strike force and in the UFC. So uh, on paper, he's definitely the one to pick here. But maybe that that twenty pound jump from one eighty five to to two hundred five is bigger than most jumps uh, in weight classes. So maybe that'll be a factor. But I think he's just too well rounded and skilled. Uh, his his grappling is is really really good as well. His his control on top and all that. So I think I think he'll have enough to win here. Uh, yeah, I agree that Rockhold is a way more skilled fighter. But look at his record: two thousand sixteen one fight, two thousand seventeen one fight, two thousand eighteen one fight, two thousand nineteen zero fights so far. So that's not good to be fighting that that sporadically. And uh, you know, Jan Blakovich is a guy who's improved because he's fighting so much. He's fighting you know all the time. Two fights in 2018, three fights in 2017, two fights in 2016 as well. That's you know that's a lot of fights against you know Gustafsson and Pat Cummins and Cannonier and Manoan Krylov and Thiago Santos. Some very very good guys in there and another couple as well. Uh, in with it, you know he obviously got uh, TKO'd by uh, Thiago Santos in his in his last fight. But you know, I I think this I think this is a very very tough fight for Luke Rockhold. It mightn't seem it on paper or whatever. But if Luke Rockhold does win this fight, I think you can put him right up there to be in towards contention for a number one contender fight to, to fight John Jones or something like that. Uh, but if he loses it, 
you know, this will be... I think Luke Rockhold is very much out of the game at the moment. He's doing lots of uh, modelling and different things like that. And he's not fighting that much. And he doesn't seem, to me, that interested in MMA. And when you're in that sort of mindset and when you're living your life like that, you're on a bad road. And I don't. I, I think Vakovic is not on that road. He's in the exact opposite. He's trying to get better all the time. And he's trying to be the best fighter he can be. Is Luke Rockhold doing that anymore? I'm not too sure. So that's, you know, if, if you're telling me Luke Rockhold versus Dan Blackovich, who's going to win? I'm going to say Luke Rockhold, but I don't know if now that's that's the case. But let, let's see. Anyway, it should be a, should be a fun fight. Uh, other than that, uh, Gilbert Melendez versus Arnold Allen, a fantastic fight. Really like that. Yeah, I think I think Ar- Arnold Allen is probably be the kind of a statement win for him. Mm-hmm. I think Mel- Melendez is obviously uh, uh, like been around. He's a veteran. He's he's fought all over the place. He's a lot of people thought he was the best, if not the best, for for years when he wasn't in the UFC, but recently, you know, he's fought some tough guys and top guys like Pettis, Alvarez, and Barboza. But he's lost all them, and he's lost to Stevens. And that was back in his last win was back in what 2013 against Diego Sanchez in, in that legendary fight. Uh, it's been was a while, it? and that was his last yeah, win. Jesus. that was his last win. Fuck Obviously, he got, I think he got done for some kind of violation along the way there. They kept him out for a while, but he, it's been a long time since he won. And, um, you know, uh, Arnold Allen's only lost once and he had some really big wins. Like Amir Khan, he's only lost in the UFC. It was a really good fight with Arnold Allen. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think Arnold Allen's going to have too much here. I think this is this is going to be a statement win for him. I might be robbing that fact from my useless fact of the day to say that Gilbert Melinda's last one was Diego Sanchez. Do you mind? Do you mind if I rob it off you? Nah, go for That's it. Sweet, lovely. Uh, Claudia Gadelia, Randa Marcos, Sonia Dong, obviously one of the best prospects as well in the UFC coming up uh, here as well in the Chinese market. I'm sure they'd be delighted to have a good fighter like him winning through here fighting Alexandro uh, Alejandro Perez even. So that should be a good fight. Edwin Shabazian as well is a, a guy coming through fighting Jack Marshman. Um, and uh, there's a few other fights there uh, as well. Did I mention Claudia Gadelia, Randa Marcos? That's a very, very good fight. Yeah, as well, you did, so. yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, everybody, we'll be back here with very, very tired Graham and Sean in about 10 seconds to take you through the JDS versus Inganu card. Okay, we're back here at uh, 4.46 a.m. to talk about that that UFC card. It wasn't, wasn't the best UFC card in the world, although it ended, ended pretty amazingly. What do you think, Graham? We're literally like four minutes out here from uh, Francis Inganu absolutely taking the head off of Junior Dos Santos. I suppose it wasn't very shocking, was it? But it was still unbelievable the way he always kind of does it. Yeah, well, like um, early on, it looked like looked like he was going to try and land some leg kicks and kind of take Junior Santos by surprise. But uh, Junior Santos replied with a couple of nice leg kicks of his own, dropping Ngannou at one stage. Hmm. But Ngannou's just so explosive and so dangerous and so heavy-handed early. Even the punches that dropped uh, Junior... Uh, the clip junior before he dropped weren't even that clean it was just the power and even the ground and pound wasn't wasn't that clean it was he's just so powerful mm-hmm. especially early and i think we can kind of put the that performance against Derek lewis to bed now i think that's that's in the past now and he's overcome that yeah 100 percent. i i agree like in if anyone listened to severe my podcast last week will know francis ingano should be in Tron leg kicks because i said it watching back the uh the old, some of the old um, uh, Junior Santos fights and Junior Santos true leg kicks as well. And he, as you said, he he knocked him down with one big leg kick. But I think them leg kicks from Francis and Gano actually like set the stall out for this fight. That like w- on the rewatch last week when I was watching Francis uh, and just in in general talking about Francis when he throws shots. 
his his problem sometimes is you're kind of expecting the shots to come good just because he's these big huge arms and when he throws them you can't help but kind of seeing them coming but for him it's variation and like if you throw a leg kick and then bring like a right hand or left hand behind it then you're throwing the jab and you're bringing your back hand behind it then you're coming up you know there's Adding a few different shots is huge in the heavyweight division especially because they they don't throw as much, they don't throw as mad, they don't throw as quickly. And if you just add a few leg kicks, you're just, you're hurting your opponent because heavyweight strong leg kicks are unbelievable. Uh, you know, the, the trauma it causes is just unbelievable. And then you're getting that variation as well. And I think, okay, that, that didn't really have much of a part to play today. I think it just got into a mad scramble. But in general, I think that's a good idea. And, you know, it was a good idea to start that off. If, if he hadn't started off like that, you could have seen Junior jabbing him to the body and stuff and coming up over the top but um yeah I, I, look i thought it was very good as you said as i kind of tweeted out there francis singano can knock you out with half a shot like he, he can knock you out with missed shots those those shots that he knocked junior dos santos down with he, he kind of just bludgeoned him with they were kind of like wrist punches he was half missed him he was on the ground he kind of fell rather than he, he fell he was hurt but he wasn't like really really hurt and then when he was on the ground he he didn't really hit him cleanly either and he was hurt and really hurt and couldn't do anything and just just curled up you know and he, what can you do when there's a guy like that on top of you if you move you're just going to hit, get hit more cleanly like if if that was the other way around and francis was in trouble like that i think he probably would have moved and kept going but when you're fighting francis there's just nothing you can do like it's he's a scary prospect isn't he for for anyone in that division to fight yeah, maybe it was a case of juniors like feeling them, feeling those punches, and it's he's feeling that it's more powerful or it's it's having more impact than he he expected or he's felt before, because he's taken some really big shots before and he's never really just kind of gone into the fetal position like that, uh, not being knocked out like because uh, he was up straight afterwards, straight after the fight was ended, was ended, he just kind of turtled up and just kind of didn't didn't want to. Um, didn't want to roll or didn't want to adjust his position because he would get he risk getting hit with a bigger shot then as as you kind of mentioned. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was the case where the power was just too much for him. Yeah, I, I think that was it. Like, and you know, it was obviously a short enough fight. So what, what's going to happen next? DC is fighting uh, Steep in the rematch coming up here in in a couple of months' time. You'd think it'd have to be the winner of that. Maybe John Jones is fighting next week too. Maybe he wants to come up the heavyweight. That's the fight I want to see. There's no fight in the world I want to see more than John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. That's that's the fight. Like that is really the fight. I'd love to see Francis versus DC as well. You know, DC. Obviously, you'd, you'd probably favor DC to take him down after what Stipe did to him, but it's just that one bludgeoning shot that's all he has to land to get him down and you know whether it's Stipe again I'd like to see that rematch if Stipe beats um beats DC but it has to be Francis next he is this he is this star that you want he is the next Brock Lesnar or you know maybe not Conor McGregor Brock Lesnar level but he's the next John Jones level 500,000 boys kind of level although with with ESPN but you know what I mean he is the next star he is he's everything you want out of a fighter he really really is he's scary looking he's well spoken uh you know he seems to be a nice old chap as well he he just he's he's insane like and like for the ufc the kind of they, they almost fucked him up there for a few years the way they kind of they put him into that steep match and they, they, they should have brought him on a little, little bit differently and dana buried him in a couple of times after that like 
how could you even think about fucking up a guy like this like Francis Singh you know he's just absolutely perfect for you and you know it was another perfect night for them and and obviously the big main event and I'm sure they'll be getting the highlights and stuff on on ESPN during the week so look a good night for the UFC if they don't uh, if they don't end up fucking it up and we're we're sure to have a big fight with Francis and then anyway coming up in in the end of the year I suppose but um other than that uh, Joseph Benavides versus Juicia Formiga was probably fight at night for me just mad back and forth Joseph Benavides was landing lots of shots in the first round and uh, he was very open as well though and Formiga was landing a few and Formiga in the second round kind of had him hurt at one stage where Benavides came back landed that huge head kick that, that straight left dropped Formiga and got the, got the TKO great fight again wasn't it and Joseph Benavides putting himself up there for a, a shot at Henry Cejudo yeah, there's a bit of adversity there for Benavidez as well, where the he got hit with a punch, and, and the, I think the commentators were saying that the the thumb kind of went into his eye and cut it, cut his eye or yeah. just around his eye. So that's in a really annoying place to, to have a cut. Like, and he you could see him pawing on it. It was clearly distracting him. But uh, yeah, Formiga is definitely a, a better fighter than when they fought the first time. But uh, Benavidez has shown that he still is that kind of. Yeah, he's probably the number one contender again now, and he's you know he's a very high level guy. Maybe he's not champion material, or maybe maybe he will get a title, maybe he won't. But he's still an elite fighter, and you kind of it's easy to forget that uh, sometimes when you see him like losing to the elite, or, or you can doubt him when he comes back from a knee injury or, or whatever. But it's a really good performance. Uh, he was in a couple of bad positions where Formiga looked like he might be able to take his back and Formiga is very good at taking the back but Benavidez just remained calm and uh, reversed the position uh, um, in the second round as well so uh, uh, yeah he just showed that he's again that he's so well rounded and that um, he, he he puts the pressure on he, he, he can go all day he's he's a five round fight he fought five rounds for years like WEC UFC mm-hmm. And he, he can he can put a pace on. Uh, so for me, it kind of just it, it it wasn't anything clean that 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 finished him. It was, the head kick was was clean, but the the fight kind of went on for what a good twenty seconds after that, or fifteen seconds after that, and it was more for me. It just kind of gave up and kind of nearly threw himself to the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he kind of just collapsed. I don't know whether it was tiredness or he hurt him or he just kind of gave up what happened. Just but under was, the pressure of a yeah. lot of one-twos. Yeah, I think I think that was it. Yeah, but, uh, f- you know, fantastic performance in Joseph Benavides again, as you said, against a, a top competitor. But uh, after that then, I suppose, wasn't really much to write home about. Damian Maya won the first two rounds against Anthony Martin. Uh, Martin came on in, in the third. Yeah, Maya and, doing what Maya does. Yeah, and that, very smart by Maya in, like, the final 15, 20 seconds or so. Martin kind of hit him with one hard shot and he was kind of going after him and, him and he hit Damien Maya and Maya kind of collapsed to the ground and kind of caught his leg as he did it and, and pulled him into his guard cute enough like to, to get him down I think one judge gave that 10-8 uh, which you could give because I think Martin was really dominant in that round and Maya was doing absolutely nothing but I, I think the result was fair and Maya ended up uh, ended up winning the two rounds to one and, and two of the judges anyway um other than that, Vince Pichel, uh, Roosevelt Roberts was a, a good fight. Drew Dober got a fantastic TKO win over Marco Polo Reyes. Um, and to, to open up the, the main card, Alonzo Minifield, Ooh. and knocked out Paul Craig. What you, did you see that big late shot he, he hit after, you know, Herb Dean was in for about five it seconds? It was kind of... What was uh, that was in super slow motion? I think that it seemed really uh, long. I don't know. I watching it in real time. I I saw it. He definitely did. Like he, de- there was one shot that was like he went around Herb Dean to throw the shot at him. I didn't like that at all. I don't. I thought that was very bad. 
I'd have to go back and look at it. I didn't. I noticed it was like a tad late, but I, I didn't. I didn't think it was anything too egregious. Yeah, it was a, a, good, a good knockout all the same, though. Drew Dober as well. Two, a good way to kind of start off the card, I suppose, with those two, two big knockouts after we had that kind of the long Ricardo Lamas uh, journey news and fight. And, uh, it was, R- uh, not yeah. Ricardo Lamas. <laughs> Ricardo Lamas, sorry, yeah, yeah. That's like the third time I've called someone Ricardo Lamas that wasn't actually Ricardo Lamas in like the last. At least it was only one letter off, though. It was, it was no. only one. It wasn't well. Uh, yeah anyway um, Eric Anders as well got the KO win over Vinicius Morea uh, Jared Gordon got a good win and caught a great promo about drugs and drinking stuff after his <laughs> fight uh, uh, D Lungs my boy he looks an absolute menace coming in here as well looks really really good got the TKO win in the third uh, and there was a couple more fights after that as yeah big so baby got knocked out as well I didn't see that was it, was it good that was decent it wasn't it wasn't great oh yeah but sure look these things happen, I suppose, in MMA anyway. That's it, because it's like 5 o'clock in the morning now. Uh, I'll answer every, one of your, every single question you sent in on the Q&A this week. Do you know what? We might we might even make it free this week. Sure, we're, we're very nice to you. We might as well make it free on Tuesday morning, and we'll have loads of more podcasts up. Patreon.com forward slash podcast. If you want to support us, price of a pint a month, there's shitloads of podcasts up. If you like myself and Graham here and, you know want to keep us going because if we don't have people supporting us in Patreon we probably actually won't be able to keep going so everyone that's there thanks very much and everyone that's that's going to be there um, thanks very much as actually, well actually we how uh, before we go how bad does that that new Daniel Cormier program look from the little oh it looks terrible highlights? it looks terrible <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you, I'm... it looks like a shit version of one of them shit Luke Thomas videos <laughs> oh <harsh. laughs> let's be honest <laughs> I'm glad that you said that because I looked at it I was like is this the highlight they're showing to get people to watch it? it looks oh my terrible. god! I was like, this is awful. Yeah, it looked. He was horrendous. like, oh look at this guys, look at this guys, oh look at this guys. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck? Like, yeah, just do the rewatch like I do it and go like I I go back through a whole fight and I watch it and I talk over the fight as it happens. Like the way he seemed to be doing it was like you know. He's too- like, look at look at me, Daniel. She's not even looking when he throws this punch. Look yeah. at this, guys! <laughs> what the so hell's going weird. on here? I was, I, was, I, I'm, I thought I was dreaming or something, honestly. Because I went online, I looked at it, and like, I saw like four people saying, "Oh, this show looks great," and I was like, "Am, am what? I?" What? People who like our friends are Daniel Cormier. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's so many friends. He's done a good job of having loads of friends. In fairness, Daniel Cormier, and everyone talks him up. But I like, I like Daniel Cormier as well. It's no, not about watching now; it's about who you know. How to say. That's it. That's it. Exactly. But sure, look. Yeah, everyone knows us anyway, and that's the most important. Everyone thing. knows that Liverpool are the champions of Europe as well. How dare you? How, fucking uh, <laughs> Aaron Wan Vasaka, that's all we need. The league is coming home. We have it. We're back. We're back. The league is coming home. <laughs> all right, everybody. I'm going to fall asleep here on my laptop. So uh, sign up patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. QA will be out for free on Tuesday morning. Uh, download it there. And uh, we'll see you all next time. But uh, we have to leave you here with. The inspirational quote of the week. Action expresses priorities. We'll see you next Tuesday or Sunday or Monday.